You're listening to Prevailing Word Ministries on the Prevailing Word Podcast channel. I'm Fred Rochester. Thanks for listening. Today's message is Do Not Be Deceived. Let's get right into today's message. Uh, Let's open up our Bibles, if you will, to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 24, because I want to uh, go back over some things, but I want to retitle the uh, the message, uh, Do Not Be Deceived. So that's what we're going to talk about. Do not be deceived. Here in the book of Matthew chapter 24, and uh, beginning at uh, verse number 4, uh, And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation or to trouble, in other words, persecution, and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because of lawlessness, will abound the love of many will grow cold but he who endures to the end shall be saved and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations and then the end will come but here's two things that we need to see in uh, number one in verse four uh, jesus said this that take heed that no one deceives you. Then if you were to go down into verse 11, then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. In other words, they will be successful. Uh, We're living in a time and in an age where people are being deceived, but it's not just the world where the people, where people are being deceived, but also inside the very confines of the church. People inside the church are deceived. Uh, uh, Sadly, they don't get it. They don't understand the truth of the scriptures. They don't see the things that are that are said in the scriptures portrayed in and before our eyes. And I can't stop that. I can't stop uh, people from being deceived. I can't stop from people that are willing to hold on to the deception. There's nothing I can do about that. The only thing that, that we can do as uh, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ is look to the scriptures and begin to be told the truth from the scriptures and not be deceived. Again, I can't stop people from being deceived. You can tell when a person is deceived when you bring scripture to bear on whatever it is that they're seeing and they don't receive it. And so nothing you can do about it. That's the way people's mentality is. Nothing you can do about that. Uh, You try to help them. You try to steer them in the right direction. But you can't help them if they're holding on to that that one thing that they know uh, is is false and and don't want to let it go. And so there's a lot of people that are deceived when it comes to uh, uh, things that are portraying in the events. And then you try to bring scripture to bear and they just don't want to uh, shake themselves from it. Here in Luke chapter uh, 21, verse eight, 
Jesus said of the same passage now. Now, remember what we talked about uh, uh, last week in terms of uh, the Gospels of Christ, the synoptic Gospels, which is just a summary of, of the ministry of the Lord Jesus. It's, it's, it doesn't give its fullness, but because we see in the book of John, uh, that uh, that there were many things that the Lord Jesus had done that done uh, that couldn't be contained in books, even even if you were to write them one by one. So there were other things that the Lord Jesus had done that weren't written down or given in the Gospels as far as the synoptic Gospels are concerned. In fact, if you read certain passages, you will see that there is a break in thought and you're wondering what happened there. Is there a gap? What are we missing here? Well, those are the, some of the things that we are not privy to or that the spirit of God didn't want to put in the scriptures when he shared the scriptures to be written in the synoptic gospels. And, and so there is a gap, meaning that there is information that is left out that perhaps uh, would have been meaningful information, but it was not essential. It wasn't essential. But notice here what but, uh, Luke writes as far as uh, the passage that we read from the book of Matthew, chapter 24. And he said, take heed that you not be deceived. It's very important. Don't be deceived, people. Look, the Bible is an open book test. Whenever we want to find out the truth about something, we go to the scriptures. Very simple, very plain. It's an open book test. But people have been known to fail an open book test. For many will come in my name saying, I am he. And the time has drawn near. Therefore, do not go after them. Don't go after them because they're only about deceiving you. And here in the book of Mark, chapter 13, uh, beginning at verse one, then as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, teacher, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. And Jesus answered and said to them, do you not see these great buildings? Not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. If you were to go into Jerusalem on the Temple Mount and look down on the western wall, the western wall area, the southwestern wall, you will see that there are stones that are laying one on top of the other. And that is a sign of the fulfillment of the word that Jesus gave and the destru destruction of the temple, which we talked about uh, when we were uh, at the facility. Uh, we talked about this at great length, that the uh, the prophecy was fulfilled in 70 A.D. And, and so not one stone shall be thrown, not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives and, of course, the book of uh, uh, Zechariah, uh, chapter 14, it tells us that the Lord Jesus will return on the Mount of Olives. So for the Lord Jesus to spend time on the Mount of Olives uh, here in this passage of scripture only alludes to the fact that one day he will return to the Mount of Olives and that will be after the seven year tribulation period. But that's besides the point. I don't want to get too much into that. But but notice it, that it says is now as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign when all these things will be fulfilled? And Jesus answering them began to say, take heed that no one deceives you. Right out of the bat, he tells the disciples and then ultimately he's telling us because we, are, we, we now have the writings of the gospel here. He's telling us that we are to take heed that no one deceives you.
and, and so why? Because many will come in my name saying I am he and will deceive many. In other words, they will be successful. I've said that before, but I want to say it again a second time, third time, fourth time, fifth time, whatever. How many times they will be successful? People will be deceived. And so, again, there's nothing that we can do about that except hopefully except pray for them and hopefully that they will come out of that deception and begin to see the scriptures in terms of what Jesus said. But many will be successful and fall prey to the deception here in James chapter one and look at verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. You mean you can deceive yourself? Absolutely. <laughs> you could deceive yourself. You, you could think a lot of things about yourself, but it's not really you. It's not really uh, about you. It's, it's not really true of you. Uh, and you're entitled to that. You're entitled to your fairy tale world, but people will deceive themselves. And, and there's nothing that you can do about it except pray that they would not deceive themselves or not fall prey to the deception. But sadly, uh, uh, false prophets and false teachers, uh, they will be successful. Many individuals will be deceived. But the Bible tells us be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. So you don't have to be deceived. This is an open book test. Don't fail it here in the book of Galatians, chapter six and verse seven. Do not be deceived. Duh, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows that he will also reap. So don't be deceived. You don't you don't have to be deceived. And and, and I find that uh, many times that uh, the way that the deception occurs is just like what happened in the garden uh, when Satan targeted not only uh, Adam, but targeted Eve. So they were both being targeted. It wasn't just one person that Satan was after. He was after them both because within them both was the whole human race. So if anybody says, well, it was Eve's fault. No, 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 no. Partly her fault. She's partly responsible. It, he, Satan was after them both because within Adam was the seed. What, what was in Eve was the egg. And you can't have a child unless the two are conceived. You have sex and you and and, and then uh, the conception takes place. The sperm penetrates the egg and then you have a child. And, and so Satan was after them both. And so that's that's one thing that we have to understand too. But but Satan recognized that Eve was more open minded than Adam was. And he took advantage of that and got them both killed them both right there in the garden. So don't be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows that shall he also reap. So let's do a summation of the things that we see that will be happening in the last days because we are not to be deceived about these things. First of all, false uh, Christs and prophets will arise. There will be wars and rumors of wars, nation rising against nation and kingdom against kingdom, famines, pestilences, earthquakes, persecution, more false prophets, uh, lawlessness, more of the true gospel being preached. So we see that these things are going to happen on a regular basis and they're happening before our eyes. And so we have to be advised that when we see these things, we are not to be deceived. 
And that's the one thing that we have to keep at a, at the forefront of our hearts and of our minds that we do not be deceived. False Christs and false prophets and teachers will arise. And then you have IHOP KC. And, and one of the things that, that, that came to my mind is that it's interesting that they're named IHOP. And, and of course, everybody know that IHOP, the, the IHOP that's out there in the restaurants, is the International House of Pancakes. But we all know that IHOP came about uh, uh, in terms of International House of Prayer, and it became one of those things and say, hey, you know, that's right, International House of Prayer, that's God. Uh, but the IHOP, the pancake place, wasn't happy about that. And so perhaps they have brought a lawsuit or a threat of a lawsuit to tell them that they have to change that because we don't want to be confused. And so it's now called IHOP KC, the KC meaning International uh, International House of Prayer, Kansas City. And, and so they had to change that because they were uh, threatened probably with a lawsuit or they were warned that if you don't change it, that a lawsuit would take place. But notice that it, it sounded so good. It sounded, wow, it sounded like God. This is God. But uh, there's a problem here. Uh, the foundation of all false prophecy, uh, the foundation rather of sexual immorality will be false teachers, false teachers and false prophets. And we're getting tons of information that's that's happening. Some of it is true and some of it we'll just have to wait and see and let it let it play itself out. But but you see what's happening with Mike Bickle was that he at the age of 42 committed adultery with an individual that was 19. But now something of of that has been determined to be true took place that the people or the leadership in IHOP tried to keep silent. But it came out and, and now they're trying to fight, trying to fight it all together. And, and, and now. But it is true. It's not. This is not a skepticism. This is not a scandal scandal. This is not a false accusation. This is true. Mike Bickle's son was involved with the same woman that Mike Bickle was involved with. So the both of them were involved in sexual immorality. Mike Bickle and his son against the same woman. They kept this quiet for over 26 years, 26 years. That's a long time to keep something quiet. But we all know that when God wants to wants to uncover things it, it, and when it's uncovered, it, it is it, it is a done deal. You are now forced to bow your knee and repent. Now, some may be saying, well, what if what if Mike Bickle would have would have uh, repented back then? Would it would it be a big issue? Well, it all depends on the kind of repentance he's bringing to the table. Now, now, some of you may recall that several of uh, several years ago, uh, 2008, that I finally uh, kicked the habit of pornography. And so I laid it all on the table. There is no stone left unturned. Why did I do that? I did not want the Lord to uncover it himself, because if he uncover it, no stone will be left unturned. He will put everything out on the table. And that's why I did what I did. I didn't want God to tell on me. So I told on myself. I brought it out. I brought it out and, and laid it all on the table. Now, does everybody have to do it that way? Perhaps not. 
But I chose to do it that way. So that way the Lord doesn't get a hold of it and put it all out on the table, because I know that when he does, it's going to be a thorough job. In fact, in my book, Secret Sexual Sins, there is there's a chapter that is specifically called Come Clean or Be Exposed. And I brought that book down to Louisiana because when we were down in Angola uh, uh, sharing the gospel and and I only shared the gospel, uh, the preaching for only one minute, one minute, two minutes and so forth, because uh, Bishop Tannehill was the main speaker. So you don't want to take time away from him ministering to the men at prison. But nonetheless, uh, 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 I I presented that book to uh, two preachers. And, and when he opened up the book, the first thing, the first place where he went to was the chapters and he looked at it and, and I know that it was hitting, but he said to me, these are good chapters, but you see they're effective chapters. Why? Because it lays everything bare and on the table. And that's what true repentance will bring you to. It, it'll bring you to be so sorry that you've, you've sinned against God and that, that you've done wrong before God, that, that there is no way possible that you can keep this to yourself and that you have to lay yourself bare before God and bare before the people. So that way there is no stone left unturned and God will not have to go back and revisit things to expose certain things that should have been exposed. Remember what it says in second Corinthians chapter seven and verse 10, godly sorrow works repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted. See if that godly sorrow is there, you will lay everything bare on the table. You will leave no stone unturned. You will be so sorry that you've sinned against God, that you put it all out there. And what will that do? That will cause other people to be, first of all, in fear of God, because ultimately that's the uh, the uh, uh, the reason why you do that. But two, that you acknowledge that you've sinned against God and, and that you are sorry and that you will not do it again. In fact, uh, the only time that that David uh, ever offered up a meaningful repentance was only when Nathan, the prophet, came in and told him a story and exposed him. And it didn't have to get to that. How long did David wait to be told that he sinned against God and that there was godly sorrow. Nine months. It took David nine months, nine long months to come to the place of of truly repenting of sin. And it took Nathan the prophet to expose his sin because after Nathan the prophet said, you are the man. You know what happened? David said, I've sinned before the Lord. Did it take nine months for it to happen? It didn't have to. He could have repented like that and laid it all bare on the table way before then. But it took Nathan the prophet to come and expose all that. So now they're in, in at IHOP. You know what they're doing now? They're in panic mode because these allegations that are coming forth that are being determined by an independent uh, party is now uh, bringing individuals that perhaps were sexually assaulted or not assaulted, but sexually abused by uh, Mike Bickle. Other individuals are coming forth. Now, there's a lot of people that are saying, well, wait a minute, you know, uh, uh, they, they may be lying or whatnot. Well, wait a minute. How do you know that? Are you sure? Are you absolutely 100% sure? And so for 26 long years, he was deceiving himself, deceiving himself so much that the people didn't even bother with it because the people that knew about it kept it under wraps. And that was the people that were in leadership. Sad to say also that we don't know to the extent of Mike Bickle's wife knowing about this, 
But man, oh man, it, to be in her shoes, it, it must be heartbreaking to see that something was held back for so many years and then all of a sudden it explodes. So again, the, the foundation of sexual immorality is always false doctrine because from the from the inception, Mike Bickle was was preaching and teaching false doctrine and, and, and false teachings and whatnot. Because, you know, you're talking about going to heaven, talking about seeing angels and none of that happened. And, and, and we're going to get into the reason why none of that happened, because when you're living a life of sin and you keep it under wraps and you don't fully lay it on the table and repent, then the rest of what you do doesn't even count. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't even exist in the eyes of God. In fact, here in the book of uh, Psalm, uh, Psalm 30, uh, 66, rather, and verse 18 says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Now, what's what what is it about IHOP? IHOP, if you really look at it, was a place of prayer. They had 24-7 prayer, and, and people were gra- people gravitated to that. They said, wow, this is a move of God. We got to go and pray. We got to seek God. And, 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 and there's nothing wrong with that to an extent and to a degree, as long as your heart is clear and right before God. But what about the leader? What's happening in the heart of the leader? It, does God hear the heart of the, of the leader? And, and there was this one individual that uh, got a copy of the film of the inside offices of um, of IHOP. And there were a lot of single uh, bolt doors, doors that only can be operated from the inside and and also uh, uh, locks that only can be opened from the inside. And I'm like saying, if you're a ministry, why would you have doors that only can be opened from the inside? I understand privacy. Pastors want, you know, certain level of privacy and want to be able to sit in privacy and whatnot and not be disturbed. We understand that that does happen from time to time, but uh, it gives a, a, a real look on the inside of what was really happening inside. And so uh, that's something to take note of. Not that we know specifically that things were happening, but single bolt locks from the inside that can only be opened from the inside. That's a major problem. And and, and so uh, everybody gravitated to, well, we got to go to this international house of prayer and have prayer, prayer. But see, if you regard iniquity in your heart, the Lord will not hear. So uh, what about the other individuals that came for prayer? If the duty, are they guilty of sin? No, they may not be guilty of sin, depending on the person that you look at. But when the leader is involved in that and he doesn't expose it or put it out on the table or repent of it or get it straight with God, guess what? If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. So we ought to be very careful that that when we see certain things and then we turn a blind eye, and we say, oh, we got to give the exception. No, you better be very careful. You could be operating in self-deception. Here in the book of uh, Proverbs chapter 11 and uh, verse 20, those who are of a perverse heart are an abomination to the Lord, but the blameless in their ways are his delight. Though they join forces, the wicked will not go unpunished, but the posterity of the righteous of the righteous will be delivered. And see, that's very important that we understand this, uh, this scripture, because uh, uh, those who are perverse in heart and are, are an abomination to the Lord. So all these years that Mike Bickle was keeping this quiet 
And all these years that nobody really said anything about it or really put it out on the table. Guess what? His prayer and those who tried to keep it quiet to try to keep it under wraps. So that way nobody knows those who are of a perverse heart are an abomination to the Lord. But the blameless in their ways, but the blameless in their ways are his delight. Is it true for the entire of people that were in there? No, it's not true for everybody because he, not everybody was coming in there, in there for sexual immorality. And so you can't just throw everybody under the bus, but the leaders you must hold to account because why it can spread like a cancer. It can spread like a disease and it gets out uh, among the people. The next thing you know, it's not a house of prayer, but a house of perversion. So it's very important that we understand that the foundation has to be correct. The foundation has to be correct. Just because you call it a place of prayer doesn't necessarily mean that it is received by God as righteous prayer. If there's abomination that's going on in the house, the Lord is is not going to let that go on much further. In fact, if you look at the book of John, chapter two, uh, at the beginning of the ministry of Jesus, the Lord came to the temple and started overthrowing tables and chairs and things and money was flying all over the place. And he got a whip and started beating the people. And he said, do not make my house of prayer a den of thieves. The house of the Lord is a house of prayer, not a den of thieves. And, and, and so he did that again later on, as we see in the book of uh, Matthew, I believe, chapter 21, 22, where, where Jesus did it again. So he did it twice because we see it at the beginning of his ministry and we see it at the end of his ministry. So spiritually speaking, God is overthrowing tables. He is overthrowing tables and he is beating the leadership. He is chastising the leadership. Now, if the Lord didn't love anybody over there in IHOP, he wouldn't have said anything. He wouldn't have done anything. But because he loved the people there, he is sending strong chastisement in, in, in the place of IHOP because that place that perhaps could have been a legitimate house of prayer has been turned into a sexual den of thieves. And so that's why we cannot be deceived. We cannot simply turn a blind eye because that's what that's what normally happens. We've seen it in hundreds, if not thousands of places of worship where a pastor is caught up in sexual immorality and the church try to hide it so that way they will not be caught. But then perhaps they, uh, the pastor may have gone through a season of restoration and is allowed back in the pulpit, but it happens again. Why? Because it was kept under wraps. We should never keep anything under wraps. We should expose it and lay bare because if God gets a hold of it, he is going to expose it and everybody's going to be scrambling. What this ought to do, it ought to bring fear in the house of God, just like Ananias and Sapphira. It should have brought fear just like it did when Ananias and Sapphira were lied to the Holy Spirit. The fear of God came on them because they dropped dead because they lied to the Holy Spirit. And Peter was there and he told them, did you did you sell a portion of your of your house and you gave it? You gave money. He said, yeah, Peter, we gave it all. And he said, why do you lie to the Holy Spirit? 
and he dropped dead and men were outside and picked him up and carried him out. Then his wife came in and, and, and vouched for the same thing. And he said, and Peter said, the same ones that carried your husband out are here to carry you out also. And she dropped dead. And that kind of fear was brought into the house to bring the fear of God back into the house, not to lie to the Holy Spirit. But, but, but we see today that the things that are being exposed today, it has no effect. Nobody is afraid of God. Nobody is scared. Everybody is going around, oh, wow, it happened to them. Wow, so that's just too bad. I tell you, preachers ought to be held to a, 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 held to a higher standard. And I tell you, it's just a shame. But see, did it bring fear in you and myself? Did it bring fear? Are we scared of God? Evidently not, because we see this happening over and over and over again. And what's happening at IHOP is going to happen in many other circles. In, in fact, uh, there was a Jehovah Witness that came to my door and, and he wanted to discuss the scriptures. And so I brought up the fact that, you know, didn't your organization paid out twenty five million dollars for sexual morality? And, and he didn't want to go over there. He didn't want to go and deal with that. But you see, it's happening in almost every sector of of Christianity, not that Jehovah Witnesses are Christians. They're not. They're they're individuals that want to be and they're trying to make themselves out to be, but they're not. But 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 you see, it's happening in many sectors. Southern Baptists, they kept under wraps for years their leaders operating in sexual immorality until somebody exposed them and brought out the truth. That's right. The Southern Baptist uh, denomination, that is one of the largest, if not the largest denomination in the United States. And they were exposed. And, and so each and every time these things are occurring, you can find underneath all of that uh, a sexual immorality. And if they try to keep it under wraps, it's going to be exposed. They try to keep it quiet. They try to say nothing happened here, but something did happen. And God always exposes it. Why? Because God is righteous and he is and he is just and and if you're going to name the name of christ the bible tells us in the book of second timothy depart from iniquity so the other things that are happening at ihop is that there's been people that have been uh uh uh, uh that have been uh, uh putting in their resignations and saying that i can't be a part of this anymore that that i can't hide this anymore that i can't I can't put this under the rug anymore. So one by one, these individuals that are intricately involved in all of these dealings, one by one, they are uh, resigning from their positions of leadership because this is just too deep for them to handle. So we have this other individual that has taken some of the reins, if you will, of, of IHOP. And, 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 and so when the information came about, uh, uh, came out about Mike Bickle's son having sexual immorality with the same woman that Mike Bickle was having. He he was saying, well, why didn't you give that information to me first before you put it out there in it for everybody else to see? You know why? Because they knew he would hide it. They knew that he would he would keep it under wraps. But you see, it's all about exposure. The Bible tells us in the book of Luke, chapter 12 and verse two, that there is nothing secret that shall not be hidden. There is nothing secret that shall not be hidden and shall not be made known. Everything that is secret, it's coming out. It's coming out. And if we're involved in anything that is secret, it's going to be exposed. And when God gets a hold of it, it's going to be big. And when it happens, people are going to say, oh, what happened here? I thought they were about righteousness. But did it bring fear in you? 
that it could eventually happen to you. And so false prophets and false teachers, they will arise here. Look at another scripture in the book of Proverbs, chapter 15 and verse eight. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. The way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but he loves him who follows righteousness. Harsh discipline is for him who forsakes the way. Doesn't that sound like Mike Bickle and others, perhaps? And he who hates correction will die. Don't hate correction. Remember what it says in the book of uh, Second Timothy, chapter uh, three. And verse 16, that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable uh, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And so don't hate correction. Let me read the scripture again. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. They came to pray. Was their sacrifice an abomination? All depends on who's doing the praying. If, if the individual is actually doing the kind of praying that is pleasing to God, No problem. Why? Because the rest of that verse says, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. But what about the leaders? What about the leaders that are in sexual sin? What about the leaders that are holding secret what took place among the top leadership? And even those who perhaps may be involved in sexual sins that are still on leadership. In fact, there was an individual who was a who was a prophet, a so-called prophet that was that was having these meetings at IHOP. And he was part of this 24 uh, seven kind of prayer thing. And he called himself a prophet. But then all of a sudden, the pictures were posted by him to try to lure women to have sex with them. And, and so here we're seeing, wait, wait a minute, you're you're a prophet of God and you and you, you and you're taking pictures of yourself half naked, a towel draped around you to try to lure women to have sex with them. And you call yourself a prophet. See, the Bible says, be not deceived for false prophets will deceive many. And so many of these individuals that showed up at IHOP with this individual that is posting pictures of himself half naked to lure women to have immorality, adultery and fornication with them. And you're believing him. See, that's a problem. There's a problem there. And so don't be deceived. Don't be deceived because these things are happening. And a whole lot of people are being exposed as a result of this. So the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. You see, he was about wickedness. So guess what? His sacrifice as a wicked man is an abomination to the Lord. But guess what? Those who are not involved with any of that, those who perhaps were there at IHOP that weren't involved with sexual immorality or covering it up. But their prayer, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. The way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but but he loves him who follows righteousness. Harsh discipline is for him who forsakes the way. So if you walk away from the way of righteousness, guess what? Harsh discipline, not just discipline, not just chastisement, harsh. Why is it harsh? It's simply because the individual is not taking to heart the seriousness of God. It's harsh because God is really serious about his righteous standard. He is not playing games here. He is not joking with this. It is serious, serious business. When you're dealing with the things of God, it is serious business. It is not a game. It is not when you can come in and and bring your rules into, into his house 
and live by your rules in his house. It doesn't work that way. When you are in his house, it is his rules. Either you live by them or you need to step back because if harsh discipline comes, you may not survive it. You may not overcome it. Harsh discipline is for him who forsakes the way and he who hates correction. Watch this. Look at this scripture here. He who hates correction will die. I didn't write this. I'm just reading what I found in terms of individuals that are purporting to be one thing as a leader, but living the life of another, a hypocrite. The most powerful sermon for leaders is found in the book for, for preachers. Now, those who are legitimately called to the ministry uh, um, is the book of Matthew, chapter 23. Look, if you call yourself a preacher and you've never read Matthew chapter 23, you need to read Matthew chapter 23 because Matthew chapter 23 lays the wood on individuals that are that are vipers, snakes and hypocrites. And that's what he told the Pharisees. And that's what he told the scribes. And that's what he told the Sanhedrin that you're nothing but vipers, snakes and hypocrites. He didn't leave a nice uh, message uh, uh Follow God's purpose for your life. Uh, uh, you'll you'll overcome in these in this. You'll you'll ride high upon the skies. The mantle of God is upon your life. You you'll win thousands. No, the last major message of Christ was Matthew chapter twenty three towards leaders. Why? Because it serves as a warning to us today, not to be the hypocrite, not to play the hypocrite. So harsh discipline is for him who forsakes the way and he who hates correction will die. So that's very important that we understand this. How are they identified? These false prophets and teachers, they pretend to be practitioners of signs, wonders and miracles, but they've never performed. Not one. You have to put them to the test. People, if they're teaching something, and they've never done it themselves, how in the world can they be trusted? How in the world can we trust them? We can't trust them. We can't trust these individuals because number one, they've never done it. For instance, Jesus walked on water, right? Jesus walked on water. So now if you're teaching the people to walk on water, you can walk on water too because God gave you the power. Well, have you ever walked on water before? There was this one pastor that was in Africa, forgot the, uh, the, uh, the country on the continent of Africa, that decided that God is going to show a sign and, and a miracle. He's going to let me walk on water. So he went out there. He started walking. But guess what? He drowned. Uh, he, he drowned. <laughs> well, why is that? Because Jesus is God. He's the only one that can walk on water because he is God. We're not. He's the only one that made the law for creation. And he knows how to usurp that law because he's God. And so if you think that you can walk on water, be my guest. Have at it. Uh, in fact, make sure that you have a whole lot of people taking cameras with them so that way they can take actual pictures. And we don't want you to use AI. We don't want you to use Photoshop. We want to actually see the miracle. Can you walk on water? Let's see you do it. You see, that's what's going to be the tale of the tape. You put them to the test 
For instance, false prophets, false teachers that say that, that God can heal. Well, does God heal? Absolutely. God does heal, but only on his sovereign terms, only on his sovereign terms. What people do is, is say that I am anointed to heal, but they never go to the hospital to heal anybody. That's fraud. That's fraud. If you claim to be anointed to do something, but you've never done it, you're a fraud. Go out there and do it, and then you won't be called a fraud. And, and so does God heal? Absolutely. He's sovereign. He, he can do it anytime you want to. But for an individual to claim that they're anointed, but they never do it themselves, they're a fraud. Now, here's how you can determine whether or not these false prophets, false teachers are, are full of it. And, and that is here in the book of Matthew, chapter seven and verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. What is a ravenous wolf? If you've ever watched National Geographic or uh, uh, Nat Geo or any of the other uh, animal channels, you will see that sometimes they bring presentations about wolves. Some wolves, because they're forced out of the pack, they they hunt independently. But also there are a pack of wolves that hunt and operate as a team. Because when you're dealing with large prey, uh, it does take a, a, a large team of wolves uh, to come and to bring the prey down so everybody can eat. And there is a hierarchy within the wolves, and I don't want to get too much into that. But nonetheless, ravenous wolves are individuals that will tear people apart. And that's what you have operating in these last days. Individuals that are operating in the pulpit, tearing people apart. They don't love you. Satan never loved you. Satan will never love you. The ravenous wolves don't love you. They want to take advantage of you. They want to take advantage of you and exploit you. And, and, and that's the kind of individuals that we are facing today that are operating today. I mean, just like what happened before camp, before uh, COVID, everybody was talking about the healing power of God. God can heal and heal, heal and heal. But nobody went to the hospitals during COVID. We, we, we don't see any, anything. Now, did God heal anybody during COVID? He perhaps may have. But I'm talking about the individual that purport to have an anointing, but never do something with that anointing. We've never seen them go into hospitals to clear out hospitals. We never see them going into nursing homes where people have COVID, where people have these diseases. We just, we just don't see it. So for two years, we didn't see any trace of an individual that claimed to have an anointing to go into the hospital to do anything. People are forced to go to the hospital to get medicine, to put on masks and to abstain from people six feet and things of that nature. And, and, and so uh, whenever you see a, a, a service where individuals are that are talking about the healing power of God, but you see people standing around with masks on. Shouldn't that just scratch your, you? Shouldn't you scratch your head about that? Why are they talking about God's healing power? But people got masks on. Does, doesn't that. There's, there's something wrong with that. There, there's something wrong with that. That automatically should have brought an attention to you, brought attention to you. Should have, you should have, the, the antenna should have went away. Oh, wait a minute. Something is wrong here. You're talking about the healing power of God, but people got their mask on. <laughs> Duh, something's wrong here. And, and so they're about ravenous wolves. And then you have these individuals 
that after they talk so much about the sign wonders and miracles, what do they become? They become ravenous wolves and take finances from you. For instance, there was uh, uh, Jamal Bryant. He I, he made a, a hard turn to to the charismatic movement. He made a hard turn to the charismatic movement because at one time he was just all about uh, 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 civil rights and whatnot, preaching about civil rights and things of that nature. Because he is down there in Georgia, he is down there in Georgia, and so he he's making a hard right, a hard right turn to being a charismatic. And so he he had people come under a a cloth to be healed, but nothing happened. These were individuals that perhaps may have had something wrong, but nothing really took place. And so there was a lot of emotion. There was a lot of things that were going on that got to people's emotion. But what happened after they were all finished with all of that? I want you to get a seed of $200. There's a few people in here that got $200. I want you to get your seed ready. All of a sudden, it's about money. But you see, notice one thing about the ministry of Jesus. Have you ever saw Jesus request any money after he ministered healing power? No. But we see in Luke chapter 8 that women gave of their substance to support his ministry. We see that. And we also see in the book of John chapter 12, I believe, that Judas was in charge of the money box. So people did give money uh, to, to the ministry of Jesus. But what we don't see is at the end of every time Jesus healed, that people were throwing money. We just don't see it, that people were laying down finances. We just we just don't see it. Or Jesus making a firm request. You got a thousand dollars. You got fifty dollars. You got ten dollars. Bring it. Bring it up. You, you just don't see that. You don't see that. And, and, and so we have to put two and two together that we got to understand that there are con artists in the pulpit. There are con artists in the pulpit. In fact, uh, uh, Paul said like this, that we are not as such as peddle the word of God. And that's found in second Corinthians chapter two and verse 17. What a peddler is, is a huckster. In other words, he's an individual that is out for ill gotten gain. And he will use anything and everything to deceive you into getting money out of you. And so the gospel can be preached with very little to no money at all. Uh, and an individual, all they have to do is stand out there on the street corner and preach the word of God and walk away and not even take up an offering. Uh, people don't believe in doing that. People don't believe that at all. You got to take up an offering. Who said that we got to? Who said that we must? We don't have to. <laughs> There's nothing in scripture that says you've got to take up an offering. No, don't have to. But you see, there's a whole lot of people that are open and, and deceived about these things that they give their life savings. They give next week's money to the preachers and to the churches that are operating under false pretense and a bill is due next week. Things are of grave importance if you don't pay that bill, perhaps your light bill, perhaps your car note, you might your car might get repossessed, but you give that money to a church based on frivolous uh, of things not founded in scripture. And the next thing you know, you, you're, you're saying, I command the repo man not to take my car, but he done hooked up the, 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 the cords and, the, and everything to the car and is pulling it on the flatbed truck. And you saying, I bind you. There was this one preacher. That, it was a shame. 
There was this one preacher with his Bible out. He came out there and says, I command you to put my car down. Do not repossess my car in Jesus' name. And the repo man says, I don't care anything about that. I've got a court order right here, uh, and i got an order right here from the people that own this car that got to lean on your vehicle to take this car. And he put that vehicle right on top of the flatbed truck and drove off and went on his merry way. He needed to pay his bill. And, and, and so the Lord will not do these things and put you in a position where somebody comes and repossess your car. Somebody comes and forecloses on your house and or, 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 or brings judgment against you. He, he's not going to put you in that kind of position. What the Lord wants you to do is to be able to manage your funds so that way, if you have something extra on the side, then you willingly give that. You don't give that because the preacher says to give it and, and, and you're left with, how am I going to pay this bill? And you're living in fear and in terror, thinking that something's got to happen. God's got to do something. But see, nobody told you to do that. And in fact, God is not going to hold you uh, responsible if you simply say, no, I got a bill next week. I got to pay my, I got to pay this next week. I got I to be responsible and, and, and he will hold that to you. So you got to be very careful of these individuals. So they're ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears fruit. Bears what? Good fruit. They bear what? Good fruit. See, that's what you want to see from ministries and ministers. You want to see good fruit because the good fruit is going to tell you that it's safe for you to be around them. They're not there to take advantage of you. They're not there to trick you. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. So when you're walking up to a tree, and it's a good tree, then you expect good fruit to come down from that tree. But if you walk up to a tree that you know that you see, well, there's something wrong with that tree. Uh, there's there's something that I can't really uh, understand about that tree. It looks like a sick tree. I don't expect good fruit from to come from that. When you begin to see, and then it, it, boy, it bears bad fruit, you, you can say, I'm not going to put that in my mouth. That's a bad fruit coming from a bad tree. But sadly, people are going to be deceived. There's nothing that you can do about it except pray for them that they would recover from the snares of foolishness and deception and begin to see that this individual is nothing about shenanigans. Remember what it says in the book of Proverbs, chapter 14 and verse 15, uh, Proverbs 14 and verse 15. The simple believe every word, but the prudent considers well his steps. Watch where you're going into these places and you're listening to these individuals and, and you want to you want to write now word and you want a word that's from God and you get you get that word. But nothing comes of it. Why? Because you got bad fruit from a bad tree. Nothing came about it. Nothing happened. Nothing came to pass. Why? Because you were expecting good fruit from a bad tree. And nothing happened. And you're like saying, well, what happened? What happened? Well, you came to a bad tree that gave bad fruit. The Bible does tell us that we ought to ask and receive that a joy may be full. And, but the Bible also tells us that we ought to ask and, and receive, but also that we are not to ask missing or ask amiss. 
or to ask for things to consume it on on our lust. The Bible tells us in the book of James, chapter four and verse one, we, we, we ought to ask in accordance with his will. The Bible tells us in the book of first Corinthians, uh, first uh, John, rather first John, chapter 14 and verse 15. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hear us. And if we know that he hear us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. Then we have the book of Philippians chapter four, where Paul tells us rejoice in the Lord. Always again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation uh, be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. But he also said that that we are to be content with the things such as we have. We are to be content. Are, are, Are we able to rejoice when we have lack and to rejoice when we have abundance? Paul said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. What is the all things that he's referring to that I can uh, uh, that I am content when I'm in lack and that I am content when I'm in abundance? Can you do the same thing? Can you live in that same mentality as Paul is saying? And, and, And so don't fall prey to these individuals that are false teachers and false prophets. Do not be deceived. Verse 17 here in the book of Matthew, chapter seven. Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. There is no question about it. A bad tree will always bear bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. So after all these years with IOP, as far as the leadership is concerned, nothing but bad fruit has been born. Nothing but bad fruit, nothing but bad fruit. And then there comes a point in time in which God will say enough is enough. And we'll expose it all and we'll put it all on the table. Well, why did God wait all this time? Well, look at what happened with David. God waited nine months for David to repent. Nothing happened. So God had to send the prophet to remind David that, hey, you sinned against God. <laughs> and the sin was gross. It wasn't just, you know, a, a small slap on the wrist or, or something small, a small charge. You, you know what he did? You know what he did? You know what David did? First, he had adultery with Bathsheba, another's man's, another man's wife. And, and, and if that wasn't enough, he tried to cover it up by calling Uriah the Hittite back from battle and said, go to your house and, 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 you know, just enjoy yourself with your wife. Because he was hoping that Uriah would sleep, would, would, would have sex with his wife. And, and that if she gives birth, then all of a sudden, no harm, no foul. But it didn't work. Uriah didn't even go inside. And, and so he tried to figure out uh, another way and, and try to keep Uriah there. Because if I keep Uriah there, he's going to want to be with his wife. But Uriah was so faithful and true to his leader that he just wouldn't do it. And so so David was forced to send Uriah back, but this time to send him to the place of battle where he knew that Uriah couldn't handle it and he was killed. No different than anybody taking a gun to a person's head or a knife and stabbing them. No different. David murdered Uriah. Took Nathan the prophet to come and expose that sin. And, and, and so we have to remember that, that, that even though God is long suffering, you see, it's, it's not just the fact that uh, 26 years took place. But now we begin to see the long suffering of God, that God wanted them to get it right. Be, first of all, with their false doctrine, first of all, check, throw that in the garbage, get rid of that. But also to expose the sin himself. 
to really lay bare before God as far as his sin is concerned. To really put it on the table and to have that contrition of heart, that heart that is crushed before God, that you've done this thing. God waited 26 years for two things to take place. Number one, the destruction of false doctrine. And number two, his sexual sin against God and his wife. And to expose his son that dealt with the same woman. Lay it all on the table. Look, it would have been great. It would have been one of the greatest examples of a leader being contrite in their heart of exposing their sin. But year after year went by and nothing took place. Year after year went by and God was waiting and waiting and waiting until he simply said, no more. We wait no more. So now the whole charismatic world is up in arms about this. But you see, there's no fear of God before our eyes. There's no fear of God before anybody's eyes. We're not afraid of God. We get to do whatever we want before God and God is okay with it. No, it doesn't work that way. God wants the repentance to be genuine, sincere, and real. And it, it and if it takes laying it all out on the table before God gets a hold of it, then that's what it's going to be. Like I said, I laid it bare on the table, all out for everybody to see. So that way, God doesn't get a hold of it. And next thing you know, you're done. You can't come back and minister. You can't come back and, and share how God has delivered you. You can't talk about any of that because, first of all, you sinned and then you tried to cover it up. Much like David, you sinned against God and then you tried to cover it up. But you see, there is nothing that is covered that shall not be known. And plus, the Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 29, it, it tells us that he that covers his sin shall not prosper. He that covers his sins shall not prof, shall not prosper. That's Proverbs 29, verse 13, uh, 20, verse 13. I, I got to look it up. But I'll, I'll give it to you later. I'll post it up on 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 the uh, on the show uh, uh, before I uh, uh, put it out. Uh, but 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 nonetheless, the scripture says that he that covers his sin shall not prosper. He that covers his sin shall not prosper. But but he that what? confesses and forsakes his sin. See, the two things now, the two things are important. You just can't confess and, and, and call it a day. It says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But look at the total contextual teaching of that. If you confess and forsake your sin, you shall obtain mercy. Mercy is preventing that which we rightfully deserve. We deserve to be judged by God. We deserve hell. We deserve the hammer of God on our lives. But when we confess and when we forsake our sin, guess what? God gives us mercy. He gives us mercy. He says, he says, that's what I wanted from you. I wanted you to confess your sin before me and lay it bare so that way I won't get a hold of it. Because the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that it is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of God. It's a fearful thing to fall in, into the hands of God. So even so, every tree, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears a bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. 
Now, we don't want anybody to be thrown in the fire. That's the last thing that we want to have happen to anybody. And that's why God is always concerned about getting it all out on the table and not hiding it. Folks, do not agree with hiding anybody's sin because you want to save them and the ministry. Look, let him and the ministry fall and fail. You do not want God's presence to leave the place. In fact, David said it like this. Let not your Holy Spirit depart from me. That was critical to David. That was critical to David. He didn't want God to walk out on him because of of that sin. And and so if you're of a a contrite heart, man, the first thing that you want to do is to make sure that God is no longer offended at you, that God is no longer mad because of the sin that you've committed. And that's all that's happening at IHOP KC. God wants to lift the chastisement, but only after people stop playing their stupid little silly cover up games and put it all out on the table. In order for people to know what true repentance is about, they have to get out of the deception. Be not deceived. Stop being deceived. He kept it quiet for 26 years and God said enough is enough and laid it all out to hang and to bear before everybody else. You do not want God to get a hold of it. So if you're living that kind of lifestyle that you're covering it up, stop it. Lay it all bare before everybody and lay it bare before God. First of all, go to God in prayer and in repentance and lay it bare before God. And then God will see that. And if you're of a contrite heart, and you're serious about it, God will extend to each and every one mercy. And he will extend to you that 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 heart that you ought that you ought to have before him, that kind of heart that is tender before God. Because if we lose being tender of heart and become callous, then it is deception that is operating in you. Finally, in the book of uh, first uh, Timothy, chapter four. In the book of First Timothy, uh, chapter four, we're going to see something here that we've seen on a, on numerous occasions. And it is uh, now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrine of devils. Do not be deceived. Now, why do people walk away in these latter times? Why they're being deceived by spirits and doctrines of devils? or demons. And what are they doing? Speaking lies and hypocrisy. All these years, 26 years, he's been speaking lies and hypocrisy, preaching about the word of God. Some things are true. Other things are definitely false doctrine, but it's been done in hypocrisy. And so what else happens? Having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. In other words, it can't be touched by God anymore. God can't do anything with that. But what God God does is that when he exposes and when he chastises, just like what it says in the book of first Corinthians chapter 11, he says, if if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. If we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged nor be condemned with the world for the Lord chastens us. He loves us. So that way we would not be condemned with the world. The Lord doesn't want to condemn us because if we're condemned, we're done. It's over with. 
The Bible does tell us in the book of Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. People, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Pray for IHOP. Pray for the people that are there. Pray for Mike Bickle. Pray for his son. Pray for them that they would come out of the deception, that they would drop the false teachings that they've been putting out and the sexual immorality. Let, let, to ask the Lord that pray that God would move on their hearts to lay everything bare before God because when God gets a hold of it, it's a done deal. And so right now we're seeing chastisement, we're seeing the exposure, we're seeing many things that are happening before our eyes that is bringing an awareness uh, an attention to us, an awareness to ourselves that we better be just as scared as everybody else because if God puts out what, what is secret in me, I'm done. I'm done. So be not deceived. You've been listening to Prevalentwood Ministries on the Prevalentwood Podcast channel. We're on Apple Podcast, Amazon Music, YouTube Music, Spotify, and Spreaker. Please visit our website at prevailingwithministries.net. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm Fred Rochester. Thanks for listening.